You can go to God's Word and find out for yourself that there is nothing new under the sun. Today's broadcast is case in point. We're going to dip back in time. Old Testament, the book of Ruth. And in this book, we're going to find some answers for how to deal with today's dilemmas. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Chris Gordon, as mentioned, takes us to the book of Ruth, the first 22 verses today, living by faith in apostate times. Boy, that isn't medicine for what we're going through today. I'm not sure what is. We go to Ruth chapter one to get some answers for the challenges that we have before us in today's times in which we live. Please join us. Here's Pastor Chris Gordon with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Is this a good man or not? Is it just a name that he bears his religion? Was it just passed to him from dad and grandpa, but he doesn't really embrace it? Or does he really embrace it? Important questions, isn't it, for Israel? Because as we know, generations departed easy from the Lord. Covenant people. And then you have the names of the sons. Malon and Chilion both have negative connotations. Malon, uh, the, 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 the scholars have all pointed this out. That probably means to be weak and sick. And Chilion means to pine away. So terrible circumstances are upon us here. You have no food. Your children are wasting away. You've captured that in the way that you've, you've named them. But you hear over in Moab that there's food. It's lush and it's plentiful over there. You don't have to deal with all this hardship. So the next thing you read is that they, they pack up with just one stroke of a pen. The author says they packed up and they went to Moab. They went and they sojourned in Moab. Was that to stay for a while and then come back? Was it to stay permanently? Is this a good choice? You see, we're all being, we're being teased by these questions, and the author's not telling us, which, is, which sort of is intended to leave the, the, the listener on the edge of his seat. Did you know there's a place called Moab, Utah, I've wanted to go? Yeah, you can ride doom buggies and ride all those things. Is it wrong to do that? To flee our circumstances? You see, all these things come together, all these thoughts. When you start to ask the right questions, though, it becomes a little more clear. Was it okay to leave the promised land due to famine? What about the Moabites, you know? What about those people? They were the immediate neighbors to the west, and you think about the Moabites that came into the existence. You know how the Moabites came about, of course. It came from Lot and his daughters in the cave. That was a bad situation. Ugly situation. It was the Moabite leader, Balak, who hired Balaam to curse the sons of Israel. And then, of course, how all their women were seduced into harlotry with the, uh, the, the men were with the Moabite women. Nothing ever good came out of Moab. This was Israel's enemy throughout history. <laughs> their enemy. And if you understand the instructions given to Israel, you can, you can tease this out a little more. Um, the people probably should have cut them off, um, remember, when they entered the land. Weren't they commanded to do so? They were a thorn in their side. 
Now, all of this is starting to present a little bit of a clearer picture for us. Elimelech had come to one of the greatest choices of life. Uh, those choices that, you know, at the beginning, you say of the sermon here, and at the, as we think about the issues here, this would have dire consequences either way. What would be the consequences of this choice? The name Malon and Kilion captured, though, his real pain. Didn't it? His children are hurting. There was no seeking of the Lord, was there? I think that should be the starking omission here. Where is the Lord sought? Where was the calling upon the Lord's name recorded? It always was when God's people returned. You know, they say right now that Christianity is dying in the West. The decline among God's peoples everywhere. And you can see it in the spirit of the people. What has happened to Christians in the time in which we live as the culture has turned on us? A lot of discouragement. A lot of giving up hope. And is there a lot of calling out to the Lord in prayer? Not much. Who's gathering in families around the table troubled about the times that they complain about? What's happening to churches right now? The trend is clear. It's a time of great spiritual decline among us. This would be a time in which they would say, in Israel's time, as the book is captured right from the beginning, the Lord doesn't seem to be involved much in Israel. The darkness of the people is evident. Where is the repentance? Where's the turning to him? The consequences of the darkness that has come upon them are seen now, as I think the book is teasing us to see, in the choices that are being made. The way that families are being led. The way the values that were once there are gone in Israel. You can apply that. Sure, you can apply that. The Lord is not consulted. In an old covenant context, now listen to me. This is the verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's not America. That's old covenant Israel in the land. If you're ever going to apply that to today, apply it to the holy nation, which is the church. Are my people calling out to my name? I'll strengthen their churches again. <laughs> Corporately. Have they made my worship a show and forgotten me? Quiet. What we need from an aristocrat whose name means God is king is someone with this kind of clout, someone with this kind of influence to lead the people in repentance to the Lord. And remember that God promised the land of them forever. But instead, what we have is the long besetting sin of Israel right in front of us. Everyone went to their enemies for deliverance. 
Everyone went to their enemies for deliverance. It wasn't just when people were being threatened with sword. They went to their enemies to feed them. Why should I have to suffer here with famine when just down on the plains of Moab is is all this produce and all this good living? I shouldn't have to suffer. It is eerily similar to Lot in his choice. So he packs up his wife and his children and he, he leaves all his people behind and he goes out to the plains of Moab. It's going to be better there for him, of course. It's going to get a lot better if he can just get away from all of this. And here Elimelech looks over to the plains of Moab and is willing to separate his wife and his sons and himself from the promised land. Here's the, here's the irony of the text. You know what Bethlehem means? From the house of bread. <laughs> See how the author is setting all this up? The house of bread has no bread. Why? And they're going to a land where Yahweh is not there. That makes sense, doesn't it? The spiritual life of God's people. I guess there's a reason Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things you worry about will be added unto you. You think he's going to feed you? You think if you ask your father for bread, he's going to throw a stone at you? (laughs) I think this is probably why interpretively James you could use. Today or tomorrow we will go in such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Thus it is when everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Now, has the law done its job today? I think the law has probably done its job. This is what the intention of the text is. And now we enter to the tragedy briefly, and then we'll get to the triumph. The sermon points are not as long, I promise you. Verse 3. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about 10 years. The family arrives in Moab, and of course it didn't go real well. Uh, Shortly after they arrive in Moab, the man whose name is Yahweh's king dies. What a horrid situation. (laughs) You wouldn't want to write this script. What's so moving about the text is the way it's presented. We aren't told why he died. We aren't told how he died. All we know is he died. People make all kinds of decisions in life. We're not not any better, by the way. Um, One point of the story so far is really clear. We're not, as the culture says, masters of our destiny. We're not determining reality. We're not going to escape anything in life. That's, that's, that's one thing that's really important just to say in general here. We always hear, just keep grinding. What does that mean? The young people know what that means, but the older people don't. You never heard Rocky Balboa quoted in a sermon, but I'm going to do it. 
This is the spirit of the age. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning's done. I'm so tired of that. That is how losing is done. Apart from the Lord. What a horrid situation. Now his wife and sons are left alone um, without a husband. Naomi is a widow. And, and, and it was awful to be in this culture without a husband. It just was. That was how it went. How could she provide for herself? So we read that, that the, the, the sons take daughters of, of Moab. And, and there you're left with another interpretive question. Is, is that okay? Is that okay? Um, the, the thing you'd want to ask is, would you ever set it up that way? Would you ever want that to happen? You shall not make marriages with them. There's some question about whether the Moabites were forbidden in that. But one thing was clear. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. They were cursed. Outside the land, now married to pagan women, and the husband's gone. Doing what's right in your own eyes can be costly. Never really brings the happiness you think. What a hopeless situation. Then we come to the shocking verse 5. Then Malon and Chilion die. The family's done. All that's left is a little widow. No heir. Listen to this. The greatest tragedy on the Israelite mind is this imagery of a family in Israel. In many ways, Naomi is the Job of the Old Testament. She is. A little old widow, past childbearing age, no protection, no means to survive, in this culture, can't support herself, now has no children to provide for her. She's in the worst possible situation an Israelite woman could be in. No social security. One pastor said the narrator has sketched the gloomy, hopeless setting for this tale driven from her homeland by famine, cruelly robbed of her loved ones by death. A lonely widow sits abandoned in a foreign land. Sometimes we make a mess of things. But for others, there are recipients of others, somebody else's mess. Many of you have suffered loss and pain. You know the pain of this all, the emptiness of it all, the hurt of it all. That may not have been your fault at all. Some of it might be, depending on the choices we make in life. Welcome to Naomi's hopeless plight. Well, I have presented to you a hopeless situation. Where's the Lord? <laughs> What's he going to do? You see how you're on, it's, it's created to put us on the edge of our seats. And all of a sudden, you start to think, because we know a little bit and can begin to answer the question here. Stand back and look at the bigger picture, beloved, for a minute. Just stand back. Stand back from it all and listen to what I'm about to say. A barren woman without a husband in a foreign land with no seed or deliver. Does that sound familiar? We've already been here. 
Hadn't Israel already learned this lesson? Hadn't Israel already been in Egypt, a barren woman, under bondage? Hadn't they learned the lesson of this is the consequence of everyone doing what's right in their own eyes? They need an exodus. (laughs) They need another exodus. And what is God about to do? Make one. I think that's why verse 6 says she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. And in verse 21, she'll confess the Lord brought her home. Little did Israel know who would be brought home. (laughs) He wouldn't just bring her home. With her would come one a little Moabitess girl. A little Moabitess girl. What can God do through all the giant messes we've made? He can work his entire plan. A message was right before Israel in her presence. I would imagine they all stopped and said, what are you doing, Naomi, bringing a Moabitess back into Israel? Maybe they were so spiritually dead and declined it didn't even matter anymore. But the one message for us is starting to come out and we're starting to see the whole picture. There's one grand story already starting to be shown. Through Israel's trespass, through Israel's unbelief, salvation is already being shown to come to the Gentiles. I mean, how can we miss that? But in a surprising way, God's plan always was to return Jew and Gentile together. Here God was already starting to open the door, giving us a forecast of the future and redeeming a bride to himself through the work of Christ. And what a story this is going to be. What a story is going to unfold in Israel. Think about this. God would preserve the name of Elimelech and deliver Naomi as a kinsman redeemer will come and take Ruth God would raise up the seed from a Moabitess woman. And from her womb would come, guess who David's distant grandma is? Ruth. This is a marvel when you put it together. And in Matthew 1, when you open up Matthew 1, and then you read Ruth the Moabitess, it should make your jaw drop. What did God do in this mess? Redeemed Israel. Redeemed Israel. He answered Psalm 80. What you're going to see unfold is the revelation of the true king in Israel (laughs) who comes. The one who would bring the nations out of bondage through the redemption of the one who is her true king. He's our king. He's our redeemer. He's our Lord the one who would come from Bethlehem and not run away from it, but out of light into darkness would enter it and redeem a people of all the nations in the earth through this mess right here, right here, right here. How did God work that? You all should be marveling. Stand back and see the story, beloved. (laughs) Yes, God can fix all our messes and deliver us from the worst things that we have done, 
Sometimes we have to live out the full consequences of the choices in which we make, but the greater message can never be missed. In our our very failure, God decided to act and to shower down his mercy and grace and pull us back to himself. Through this mess of Elimelech, you're going to see the Moabitess Ruth to be the very one in the line of Christ who would bring forth your Redeemer. He has answered our rebellion. And more through the work of his king. Notice this. He's redeemed us. See how precious it is when you read in the New Testament, you were bought back with a price. This king laid down his life for you through this mess to identify with us who are great messes. The precious blood of God's king he gives for his bride. You see? I think that should encourage you today. We've all made a mess of things in our life. We all have regrets in life. We all have done things we shouldn't have done in life. We all have sinned greatly against the Lord. And many of us need to think about our priorities again as God's people. Are we returning to the Lord when he's come to us with this kind of steadfast love? When he's wooed us this way and loved us this way? Or are we going to continue in the spiritual decline of Israel as is shown? This requires us to come to the Lord as Jesus extended his arms. He said, come to me, all you who are weary. Why are you running to Moab for bread? Why are you going there for your answer? Why are you turning to that idol for deliverance? Come to me, Jesus says. I'll give you the rest you're after. I'll give you the peace you need. You'll enjoy the love of the Father. Isn't the gospel wonderful? This is the God of restoration and mercy we serve. Praise him today for his redeeming power in your life. And may we acknowledge that there is a king in Israel. And may we live before him as if there is, as there is a king in Israel. May we worship him. May we trust him. May we believe him in the apostate times in which we're in, knowing he will never give you a stone when you ask for bread. He cares for you. He loves you. Come to him, trust him, and believe in him. Yes, he plans good for you. Let's thank him today in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we bow our heads after such a rich text in just five to six verses of this grand story. You are so faithful. Where we have made a mess of everything and tried to live and do what is right in our own eyes. Here you before us show the unfolding of your plan to redeem a people to yourself. May we not be unbelieving like Israel, but believing And may we trust you. Forgive our sins. Cleanse our consciences. Cheer our hearts in your steadfast love as we celebrate the true King in Israel, Jesus Christ our Lord, who has redeemed us and bought us with a price that we might be his bride. We thank you. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. Questions, comments about the program, as always, are more than welcome. We'd love to hear from you. How's the program encouraging you in your walk and relationship with Christ? Reach out to us. Let us know, won't you? Our number is 888-504-8805. Or you can visit us online, agradio.org. Now, that is a great resource to have handy. Not only do we have past programs available online at our website, we also have jumping off points to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as recent articles written by Pastor Chris and other friends of the ministry. Again, agradio.org. We also would like to remind you that you're a very key part of this ministry, Abounding Grace Radio. Through your financial partnership with us and prayerful support, we are able to continue this ministry, not only on this station, but others as well. So would you please consider partnering with us financially, whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, no gift is too small or too large. Reach out to us again at agradio.org or... Call us at 888-504-8805. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.